and welcome to Talking Eye Opinions. I am Anthony Livingston Hall. For much of my lifetime, and perhaps yours too, the Supreme Court has enjoyed a reputation as the most revered branch of the US government. This primarily because the presiding justices of this judicial branch were regarded as apolitical guardians who ensured that the partisan members of the other two branches, namely the executive and legislative, did not abuse their respective powers. The austere vestments and formal protocols that characterize Supreme Court proceedings have always reinforced that reputation. The problem, of course, is that it has never been justified. In this episode, I shall explain why. In fact, to debunk this reputation, I need only cite plainly political rulings in notorious cases like Dred Scott v. Sanford, 1857, which held that, whether slave or free, blacks could not be considered U.S. citizens. Korematsu v. United States, 1944, which held that, the wholesale internment of Japanese Americans during World War II is legal. And Bush v. Gore, 2000, which held that stopping the recount of contested ballots is legal, uh, but only in this case, in order to hand the presidency to George W. Bush. Uh, still, to frame this episode, consider this historical analogy. The U.S. military enjoyed a relatively good reputation after saving the world from tyranny in World War II in 1945. But then came the humiliating defeat in retreat from Vietnam in 1975. In a similar vein, the U.S. Supreme Court enjoyed a relatively good reputation after ruling in Brown v. Board of Education to desegregate America in 1954. But then came the ruling in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health to strip women of the constitutional right to abortions in 2022. Even so, nothing informs my take on what has become of the Supreme Court, quite like its rulings rolling back the civil rights of black folks. And because, ominously, I could use the same constitutional arguments to decry the hypocrisy inherent in these rulings that Frederick Douglass used 165 years ago to decry the same in rulings the court handed down to deny civil rights to blacks in the years preceding the Civil War. It should not matter 
but it is in fact dispositive that this Supreme Court is controlled by conservative justices, nominated by Republican presidents, because the best way to appreciate what it has become is to understand that it operates as little more than an arm of the Republican Party. As such, I drafted the following to sum up its mission. One ruling on abortion rights to bear them. One ruling on voting rights to ban them. One ruling on gun rights to kill them. And in the chaos, appellate lawsuits deny them. In the throes of the Roberts Court, where even justices lie. And I trust most of you will recognize that as a riff on the one ring verse from J.R.R. Tolkien's The Fellowship of the Ring. Mind you, I readily concede that if the Supreme Court were controlled by liberal justices nominated by Democratic presidents, it would be operating as little more than an arm of the Democratic Party. Indeed, this is why former President Barack Obama says so ruefully that elections have consequences. After all, Democrats failed to vote in sufficient numbers to retain control of the Senate in 2014 and the presidency in 2016. This allowed Republicans not just to block his centrist nominee, Merrick Garland, but to then help Donald Trump stack the court with three right-wing zealots, namely Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, respectively. The result is conservatives ending up with the 6-3 control they are now wielding so fiendishly. Democrats like to mock Trump for failing to implement his MAGA programs, like building that wall and repealing Obamacare. But Trump is clearly having the last laugh, as the MAGA handmaids he nominated to the Supreme Court help deliver rulings that compensate in spades. This, most notably, by rolling back abortion rights, suppressing voting rights, and curbing affirmative action, all in ways that are turning America into the dystopian union Republicans have always dreamed of. In fact, despite all the rulings that incited so many protests, the court seemed hell-bent on using the last day of this most controversial term in decades to telegraph the MAGA mischief in store for decades to come because only that explains the foul stench from the confluence of one ruling, which now prohibits the government from implementing policies to prevent the flood of greenhouse gas emissions, and another, which permits the government to implement policies to allow 
the flood of illegal immigrants across the U.S.-Mexico border. Now, frankly, you'd be forgiven for thinking that a Machiavellian Republican strategist told those six political hacks masquerading as justices what to do. Namely, to cap this historic term of making Republican ideology the supreme law of the land in so many cases by striking a blow against Democrats on climate change while handing them a victory on immigration, which everyone knows will turn out to be a poisoned chalice. The point, though, is that the politicization of the court has become such that Republican ideology, far more than legal reasoning and judicial precedent, now determines the outcome of controversial cases. What's more, any fair reading of their opinions suggests that these conservative justices relish scoring decisive wins for their red states. This, pursuant to the growing division between red and blue states, that seems dreadfully analogous to the role the court played in the years of growing division between states on either side of the Mason-Dixon line before the Civil War. Incidentally, the stench I mentioned earlier stems from Liberal Justice Sonia Sotomayor famously warning that the judicial activism of conservatives on the court was causing a stench so offensive it risked eroding public trust in the court for generations to come. Evidently, the conservatives couldn't care less. They had their marching orders. They insist their job is just to apply their interpretation of what the Founding Fathers originally intended when they wrote the Constitution to the facts in each case. Never mind the intellectual dishonesty inherent in trying to apply the original intent of this 18th century text to 21st century facts, which the drafters of that text could never have ever imagined. The illogical fallacy of that is so obvious, it's not even worthy of comment. Except that, just as their interpretation of that text has led to these conservative justices reimposing abortion restrictions on women, it has led to them reimposing Jim Crow restrictions on blacks. Granted, even they might not have in mind the idyllic world of the antebellum South, but their rulings seem designed to transform America into some MAGA version of Gilead in The Handmaid's Tale. This 
complete with all of the oppression that portends for women. With no less a person than Justice Amy Coney Barrett, a.k.a. Serena Joy, <laughs> realizing at long last the hand she has played in making herself a second-class citizen. After all, Clarence Thomas, now the most senior and arguably the most powerful justice, put the country on notice in his concurring opinion in the Dobbs case I mentioned earlier, that he and his fellow conservatives are just getting started. Specifically, he said that, now that they've overruled Roe v. Wade, 1973, which recognized the right of women to have abortions, they should turn their sights to overruling Griswold v. Connecticut, 1965, which recognized the right of couples to use contraceptives, Lawrence v. Texas, 2003, which recognized the right of gays to have gay sex, and Obergefell v. Hodges, 2015, which recognized the right of same-sex couples to marry. And yes, you might wonder about, or even despair over, a black man spearheading what appears to be the misogynistic, paternalistic, homophobic, and racist mission of white men. Except that you need only look at recent American history to understand the perverse, self-hating phenomenon that is Clarence Thomas. After all, no Americans championed more supposedly principled opposition to gay rights than gay Republicans like Ken Melman, Jim Colby, and Mark Foley. Anyway, Thomas is clearly more interested in serving as a political hack for the Republican Party than as a justice on the Supreme Court. He cites strict adherence only to rights enumerated in the Constitution and to those deeply rooted in U.S. history. But that's just a pretext for deploying a scorched-earth constitutional philosophy to make it seem principled. Interestingly enough, though, this means that like abortion and same-sex marriage, interracial marriage is in jeopardy because it is neither enumerated in the Constitution nor deeply rooted in U.S. history. But if you think that is going to give Thomas pause, I refer you to the precedent set by self-hating gay Republicans I mentioned a moment ago. Not to mention that Thomas led the court in rolling back voting rights for blacks like him in the infamous case of Shelby County v. Holder, 2013. So, by the same uh, token, 
I have no doubt he would lead the court in overruling Loving v. Virginia, 1967, which recognized the right of interracial couples to marry, based on the same specious principle he cited to justify overruling Roe. In short, his pathological temperament is such that, judicially speaking, he would willfully cut off his nose to spite his face. I feel moved at this point to invoke Martin Niemöller's poem of protest, First They Came. Only instead of Nazis coming for socialists, trade unionists, and Jews. Think of justices coming for voting rights, abortion rights, and marriage rights. Sadly, ever since his humiliating confirmation hearing in 1991, Thomas has been possessed of a Jewish maniacal need to punish Democrats for causing it and to rule against every interest they argue before the Supreme Court. Unsurprisingly, blacks have suffered the brunt of his vendetta. And so I hope the irony is not lost on anyone that Ketanji Brown Jackson has now been sworn into this judicial breach to serve as the first black woman on the Supreme Court of the United States. Because everyone knows that black women have been cleaning up the mess white men and their Uncle Toms have been making of things since the days of the Founding Fathers. But there is also a black thing going on. <laughs> because we all know that having Jackson join Thomas on the court will only reinforce the feelings of resentfulness and unworthiness that sent him down his vengeful path in the first place, for he is bound to see in her everything he still hates about Anita Hill, who personifies the public humiliation that evidently still haunts him. And it's foreboding enough that he will begrudge and therefore try to diminish Jackson's intelligence in every case. But her own racial background and interracial marriage will now preclude him from claiming the unique insights his background and interracial marriage always brought on matters of race. Even so, given the Trumpian fashion he follows these days, Thomas probably couldn't be happier that rulings at the Supreme Court are making so much noise because they are distracting media attention from all the findings at the hearings before the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection that are implicating him in crimes. But I suspect it's only a matter of time before he faces poetic justice 
because the Republicans Thomas and his wife allegedly conspired with to overturn the 2020 presidential election are the same ones who conspired to deny Obama's nominee, Merrick Garland, his seat on the Supreme Court. But now, as Attorney General, Garland is lying in wait to prosecute Thomas and his wife for all their crimes, which that January 6th committee is so diligently documenting for all the world to see. Uh, to be fair, Thomas himself has broken every judicial code of conduct on the friggin' books. So, even if his treasonous wife has not caused him to become complicit in this insurrection, he should still be impeached. But, if ever there were a Lady Macbeth in US politics, Virginia Thomas fits the bill. And, with all due respect to the New York Times, long before it suggested as much, I had already commented on this unfolding Shakespearean tragedy in The Wife of Justice Thomas Will Cause Him to Retire in Disgrace on March 30, 2022. That's it. Subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for thought-provoking commentaries, often laced with humor, I invite you to visit my blog at www.ipjn.com. Thank you for listening, and until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.